Hello. And welcome to Plotting Through the Presidents, where we take deep, irreverent dives into lesser-known stories from early American history. <laughs> you did a little shoulder roll there. Yeah? Yeah, you were like, early dives, yeah. and your shoulders went rolling a little bit. You know? Um, <laughs> I'm Jessica Dory. And I'm Howard Dory. Can we talk about that bad review for a minute? Talk about the vocal fry? I think it really is bothering you. Because look how you're talking, like, differently now. I'm trying to not talk in the back of my throat like a pair I was doing. I mean, I think vocal fry, I don't know, but for us, it's very, I mean, it's accurate <laughs> because our voices are fried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's part of the register. It's not some affect. No. Yeah, it's, um. well, we work two full-time jobs, we do. come home to raising children, put them to bed, and then we get on the mic to do our podcast. And yeah, I think at this point, our voices are pretty fried. They're actually on the listener's end. There is something that they can do to reduce the vocal fry that they hear. Oh, yeah, what they, can they do? They cannot fucking listen to us if they don't like it. <laughs> I thought you were going to give us really helpful techie advice. But, um, maybe that exists, but, but this I don't is have good it. life advice. Yeah. Keep scrolling. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Or write a review. Yeah. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. Don't write a review. <laughs> Open up the notes app on your phone and write your thoughts. <laughs> oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> it was announced a little while ago that they're going to do a new Benjamin Franklin miniseries on Apple TV. Really? And it's written by Kirk Ellis. And that's the same screenwriter who wrote the John Adams miniseries for oh HBO. Oh gosh, that one like impacted me. Right? Yeah. So impacted. It really did. I was very impacted. It was impactful. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. When does that come out? Um, Sometime next year. I don't know exactly when. All right. Yeah. But I well, love... That will be exciting. It and, will be. And that will be like a reminder of how fast years pass. <laughs> yeah. When you're like, oh, by the way, it's coming out. I'm like, what? It's been a year already. I know. <laughs> um, but I, I love the idea that it's, it's written by the same guy. Mm -hmm. There's like a poetry in that because John Adams really despised Ben Franklin, like on a personal level. So there's like an irony in, in the fact that it's the same writer. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've always been intrigued by that rivalry. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to look at why John Adams hated Ben Franklin so much and some of the gnarly things that they said about each other. Oh, sounds fun. This is a story in two acts. You gotta love the acts. Let's start with act one. Strange bedfellows. Oh. Yeah. I'm picturing Ben Franklin in bed with a donkey for some reason. <laughs> Not a donkey. Okay. No. So John Adams always gave Franklin credit for the things that he did, like as a scientist and, and as a writer, all the things that he did before their paths crossed. Mm -hmm. So at one time, Adams adored Franklin. He had nothing but good things to say about this genius patriot. But then he actually met him. That was in the Second Continental Congress in 1775. They were both there to represent, you know, the colonies, Adams from Massachusetts, Franklin from Pennsylvania, and they both already had established reputations. Um, Adams was a lawyer. He was more than just a simple country lawyer at this point. He was, he was something. Oh. Yeah. Simple country lawyer. Right. And Franklin was maybe the most famous man in the world. 
Wow. Humorist, publisher, inventor, harnesser of lightning, uh, creator of the glass harmonica. <laughs> Zeus. Yeah. Yeah, basically Zeus. Or at least Prometheus, right? <laughs> so Adams and Franklin had never met before that. And they got mm-hmm. to know each other pretty well. Okay. The two of them even shared a bed one night. Okay. Yeah. That famous night when there was no room left at the inn and they both had to sleep in a manger. That was a different story. Sorry. What's a manger? That's, that's I'm thinking of someone else. Um, Jesus. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I for, sometimes I forget you're Jewish and you don't, you didn't grow know, up with these stories. I don't stories know what and, a manger is. <laughs> that's, that's all I know of a Let manger. Let alone it's a Jesus story. <laughs> um, so, okay. Okay. They had to share a bed while mm-hmm. traveling to try to negotiate peace with William Howe. He was a British commander in chief. Anyway, it was time to go to bed in this little room in this bed. And Adams got up to close the window. And Ben Franklin said, what are you doing? Adams said, the cold air is going to make us sick. Franklin said, no, the stale air in here is going to make us sick. Let me tell you about my theory of colds. And then Franklin oh. snuggled him in his jowls and sang him to sleep <laughs> with a lullaby of science. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cute. Um, so they'd spent some time together. But at this time, Adams never really said anything negative about Franklin. Mm-hmm. Only later... Did he say how he really felt back then, which is that Franklin spent most of the Continental Congress being lazy, never speaking up, sleeping in his chair. Uh. Uh, This is compared to Adams, whose whole self-value, his whole self-worth was tied up in his work ethic. So in his mind, if you weren't constantly expelling words, either with your pen or your mouth, you were a failure. Even when he was reading, like he couldn't stop himself and he would, you know, kind of share his thoughts in the margins of the book. Like, hey, book, I don't like you. Uh Like he was constantly pushing forth. Adams. Information. Yes, Adams. So Franklin, who was just sitting there, not doing a whole lot, sleeping. I think that really pissed Adams off. Yeah, because Adams is constantly multitasking. Yes. And Adams thinks that Franklin is lazy. Yeah, because he's not constantly multitasking. <laughs> or just constantly blowing air. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, but at this point, Ben Franklin, he didn't need to prove anything to anyone. He was 69 years old. He'd already been retired for like 30 years. He was rock star famous. His whole presence there was almost like a favor. Mm-hmm. And maybe he felt that too. So why would he need to even stay awake? <laughs> like he's there. Exactly. You know? I mean, it's just a different... It's a different mindset, yes. for sure. Yes, and Adams... But Ad- why does Adams have to take that personally? Adams was jealous. Um, of his laziness? No, Adams was jealous of the credit that Franklin was getting for so doing there. all these things when Adams thought, like, obviously, I'm working so hard, I must be doing everything. So he was always jealous of Franklin, especially in Paris. You remember... We, you I know, remember Paris. Yes. That was, we were lucky enough to have honeymoon there. Yeah. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, almost 10 years ago. That's nuts to me. It is nuts. Um, I don't feel like it was that long ago. I know. But I look at pictures and I think, <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's not us. Yeah. It's a different couple. Aw. Um, Paris for John Adams and Ben Franklin was no honeymoon. Mm. Yeah. Did they get to see the Eiffel Tower? No. Was it there yet? No. Oh. So no. So no. Sorry. What was there? Um, the, <laughs> Everything else. I think the the Hall of Bleu, which was, we talked about that in our Jefferson and Causeway Where episode. They kept cheese? It wasn't cheese, it was corn. Oh, I knew they kept something. They did keep something there. there. Yeah. It's corn. Hell of a dome because, on that place. Yeah, because corn is bleu in French. Something like that. 
Bleh. Yeah. I mean, what we decided. It is what we decided. Were we correct? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I can't remember, but I think that's. I think it was well researched at the time. All right. So Adams was sent over to France. Hurting the sound at all? Because I just need to get my feet up. Your foot on the table. Uh, no, is it bothering you? It's my my sensibilities. <laughs> that you I know, know, it's bothering your sensibilities. I, I'll tell you who that would bother you. Who that would bother is Abigail Adams. But we're gonna no, we're don't gonna tell me I'm offending Abigail Adams because that hurts my heart. You'll see later. Oh my god, I just can't. I'm in this chair with a micro. I'm forced to sit right on where I broke my tailbone. My feet need to be up. And there's nowhere to put them, and I'm struggling. And I put my foot up, and you tell me I'm offending Abigail Adams. Is that some kind of passive-aggressive remark to make me feel bad about myself? It is not. It was a reference to something that we're going to talk about today. And suddenly, I'm identifying with John Adams in how he felt about Ben Franklin. Why? I don't know. I'm. You're, you're telling me I'm just sitting here blowing air? <laughs> you're sitting there blowing... No, I'm the one blowing air. You're sitting over there sleeping like a rock star. <laughs> sleeping like a rock Foot star. Foot up on the table. I'm engaged, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> I, you are engaged, it's true. I yes. Mean, you don't have to put your foot... If it needs to be up, put it up. It's going to do what it does. All right. So Adams was sent over to France to join Franklin and this guy Silas Dean in the American quest to get France's support and their navy and, and all the stuff needed to win a war. Uh-huh. Adams was replacing another guy, Arthur Lee, because Lee and Dean were fighting. It was just a big shit show. Um, so Lee's on his way out. And Lee was happy to be away from Franklin because Lee had said that Franklin turned Paris into a corrupt hotbed of vice. My goodness. Too many names. Too many names. It is a lot. All you need to know is that Adams is on his way into this vicey hotbed to join Ben Franklin in Paris. And it's like his his red light district. Yeah, he's turned the whole place into a red light district, apparently. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I want to hear about that. Yeah. So by the time Adams gets there, Franklin had already gotten France to agree to an alliance with the U.S. Right. So Franklin did that by himself without Adams. Okay. So you're patting him on the back for that. You would think. It's good, yeah. That's not how Adams saw things, though. Oh. He showed up, and he saw that none of the records were organized. Nobody was keeping track of their expenses. Franklin hardly spoke French. And he thought, it's all up to me to organize this chaos and save this mission. He felt like like the only person doing work in like a group project at school. <laughs> but they weren't at school. They were in France. In life. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like Adams just had a lot of anxiety. Like, it sounds like Franklin was getting things done on a certain level. Yeah. And, you know, which was the way to people's hearts. (laughs) And then Adams was freaking out with anxiety about like, but we didn't write that down, you know, or we didn't get confirmation for that. So it's it's the businessman in him. Yeah, and I'm it's glad the that he. In him. It is, it is, and I'm glad that he was obsessed with writing things down because it's how we know so much. <laughs> yes, yes, we are all glad for his anxiety. Uh, but in this group project, you okay, um, there you just itched under the under uh, the yeah, you just itched like a under dog the, under the collar. Yes, you just itched under your headphones and went ugh, just like as if you were a dog. Was my leg shaking? Itched under the collar. <laughs> it was an odd millisecond there. Okay, this There's is why been a few odd milliseconds. The rolling of the shoulders as you were talking about diving. You know, maybe I'm slowly I'm... turning into a dog. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> is it a full moon? I don't know. Possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it. Like, I'm like not a werewolf, but maybe once there's a full moon, I turn in, like, I slowly just turn into a French bulldog for like a day <laughs> where I'm yeah, just like, I don't like, think there's a werewolf. Like, snoring. I think, like, yeah, I think there's snoring and farting and strange maneuvering <laughs> yeah yeah get winded really easily <laughs> with my my big old head <laughs> all right and all right like smush nose yeah like that yes that's me that's me on the full moon <laughs> so adams didn't like how franklin was cozying up to the french people uh, especially, Without confirmations or signatures or paperwork. Well, just in general. He didn't like how close he was to them, especially Why? the ladies, which we'll get to. Oh, but okay. he thought that... Um, was professional? No, he thought they were being way too nice and overly grateful to France and that we shouldn't flatter them so much. Adam said that he would rather die than become subservient to France after fighting for independence from Britain. He's like, why are we so bending over for France? He's still sensitive. He's, he doesn't. He's scared of being subservient again. He doesn't want to get into that role. Yeah, and I think he just also has some some stuff about the the French. He'd rather be close with Britain, actually. Mm, that's weird. I don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, you clearly do, but you're not going to get into <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's just he he's we were British subjects. He was fine with that alliance there and that partnership as long as we were independent. And France, he was just, you know, they were kind of different and, you know, looser and... Looser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Um, and Franklin thought, this guy doesn't get it. We need France or there's not going to be any independence. And he just doesn't understand how to woo these aristocrats. Like, diplomacy is about making sure that everybody's having a good time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody invited an accountant to the party. Mm-hmm. Okay, John, you're harshing Ben Franklin's mellow. And if you don't show up, you're going to run this whole alliance. And the, and the mellow. And the mellow. Yes. But maybe the worst sin to John and Abigail Adams was that Franklin had reportedly been talking shit about Adams behind his back. Well, that's not a good way to form an alliance either. No. But the way that they found out, actually, it was, it was Abigail who found out first, I think. Oh, really? You know how when you're texting someone about someone else, but you accidentally, you accidentally text it to the person you're talking Thank about? Thank God I haven't done that. I don't think. Right? I don't I don't think I've done that. I, with Instant Messenger at work one time. One time I did. Really? Yeah. I think you told me about that and I internalized it and that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But, I mean, I think the key is not to talk too much shit about people <laughs> over text. Yes, that is the key. Um, that's not exactly what happened here even. It's not that great of an analogy. But here's what happened. Okay. A letter that was intended to go to Samuel Adams' wife, Elizabeth, <laughs> was simply addressed Mrs. Adams. Uh, no course. first name, no address. It's almost like they wanted her to find out. I don't know. But it was delivered instead to Abigail. Of course. Um, and Who it opened it. She opened it. She said she read like half the thing before she realized it wasn't for her. And she's oh. like, why, why shouldn't I read the whole thing? It's an honest mistake, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, it talked about Franklin in France and how he was saying he was going to resign his post. And it said that Franklin was blackening the character of John Adams to Congress and that he'd gotten the French minister to do the same. Oh. Yeah. This is not cool. No, this flipped a switch in Abigail. When she'd first met Franklin six years earlier, um, she could read in his face, she said, the virtues of his heart, among which patriotism shone in full luster 
and with that is blended every virtue of a Christian, for a true patriot must be a religious man. After reading this letter, Abigail wrote to a friend with such glorious anger that it makes me think that the idea that she was this calming influence on John Adams is maybe not always true. Mm -hmm. Um, She stood by her man. She said she couldn't understand how Franklin could slander her husband, that it would only make sense if Franklin were a selfish, avaricious, designing, deceitful villain. But he's not. So (laughs) why? Why would he do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And she decided that it must be because her husband was honest. Uh He had integrity. He wasn't lazy and immoral. He couldn't (laughs) be bought. And so that meant he must be crushed. Oh, goodness. Yeah. She stands up for Adams. Uh, She says he's a man of principle. And she says, it wounds me, sir. When he is wounded, I bleed. Oh. Yeah. And she says that she didn't give up. That's love. It is. Um, it's, it's a fierce, like mama bear, like love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or think about all the months he spent away, like defending this country and doing work yeah. to create independence and, you know, and how much she probably wanted him there. And yeah. And she brings that up. Yeah. She says it's such a sacrifice. And then to have someone criticize it. Exactly. All, exactly. Would make me angry too. Yeah. She says she didn't give up her domestic pleasure like living as a single mother basically while he was away just so they could be treated like that. Right. Nobody crushes Abigail Adams's husband. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Go Abby. Yeah. And that was a turning point for John too. Oh yeah. From what I can tell, um, Franklin thought it would be better if Adams was like removed from the situation. (laughs) Like fired, not killed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who fired him? uh, He, he, I think Franklin probably thought, Hey, Adams should be recalled from his service over here in France. They should just like call him back because he was harshing his mellow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so eventually he was like, can we just get this guy out of here? Yeah. And and not so many words. Probably like it's, it's some of this stuff is hard to prove. And even Adams knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Adams found out, that's what that's what made him really like lose respect for Franklin there. Mm. He said, from five complete years of experience of Dr. Franklin, which I have now had in Europe, I can have no dependence on his word. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Franklin wasn't honest, which was the biggest no-no for Adams. Yeah. Like, the worst thing you could be. Integrity. Yeah. I mean, also, he said that Franklin was immoral, lazy, too old to do his job. Um, 69? Uh-oh. We're in trouble. At this point, he's 70, you know, uh, or, or more. Oh, I don't know. All right. Yeah. Um, and he thought that the beloved Dr. Franklin was a big, fat phony. Mm. Yeah. He thought that Franklin was putting on a show. That he was this truly like cunning, devious man who like played it up like the American yokel in a in a like a Quaker suit and like a backwood <laughs> like fur cap just for attention in France. Like he was playing mm-hmm. this part. Yeah, it sounds like he was networking. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and Hardcore maybe he liked the attention, networking, yeah. peacocking, whatever. <laughs> all all of that. Yes, Franklin responded to this by by thinking that Adams was just delusional and paranoid. And he just thought people were plotting against him. And that's where we get the famous quote from Franklin, where he says that Adams means well for his country, is always an honest man, often a wise one, but sometimes, and in some things, absolutely out of his senses. Okay. Could yeah. be worse. Yeah. The quote could be worse. Yeah, there's good parts of it. Yeah, there's very good <laughs> parts of it. Yes. Adams read that letter um, and read that quote from Franklin, and he had some thoughts. I bet. Yeah, imagine that. Out of my senses. He was like, he said I was always an honest man. 
I wish my conscience would allow me to say as much for him. <laughs> but from the first to the last of my public acquaintance with him, I can reconcile his conduct in public affairs neither to the character of an honest man nor to that of a man of sense. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm out of my Ouch. senses. You're out, out of your, your senses. senses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is all very mature. Um, You know. These old... Fat <laughs> what are you gonna do mature elementary school students. yes in some ways for sure even after all the shady backstabbing stuff came out uh and they were convinced that franklin couldn't be trusted john and abigail adams still somehow managed to be civil with him when they saw him huh when they were in paris they had dinner with him really one night and with his lady friend uh madame helvetius Helvetius or Helvetius for real yeah I mean it's spelled with an H but it's French so you forget that H Helvetius (laughs) yeah yeah yes Um, Abigail was disgusted by what she saw oh yeah and what she saw was this vivacious 65 year old widow who put her arms around Franklin throughout the dinner and who scandalously put her legs up on the couch and showed more than her feet Oh, wow. Yeah. We're talking maybe ankle. Uh, (laughs) I wonder if Abigail, I mean, she was always scolded by Adams for sitting with her legs open. That's when in their younger days. Yeah. Yeah. Like walking. Yeah, that's true. They tap into those teen years. You know, I don't know. Maybe she had no uh, sympathy for a 65 year old woman who was doing that. That is weird. You know, it was France. I know. At maybe a certain point, no, you don't give a shit. She didn't. You don't care about what people think. You just want to be comfortable. Yeah. And I think what grossed Abigail out the most was that um, this woman had a little lap dog. And the dog peed on the floor. Ew. And the woman just wiped it up with her dress. That is gross. Yeah. But their dresses were really big back then. I think they probably were. I mean, that's like wiping your kid's mouth with your shirt yeah i mean i've done that yeah but it's not like a dog's pee it's not urine no no um but if beckett had urine on him and we were out in public and i had nothing else i would use my shirt to clean him okay but i wouldn't wipe the floor with my shirt right i'd find something to wipe it with maybe a little dog (laughs) or another little dog (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) the nicest thing that abigail said about the encounter was that Franklin looked healthy. And she said, if embraces will tend to prolong his life and promote the vigor of his circulations, (laughs) then she said he was well on his way to living hundreds of years. I was going to say he'll live forever. Exactly. That brings us to act two. But first, let's take a moment to tell you about another podcast you should check out. Oh, yeah. If the internet says something's true, it must be. For example, did you know that Big Bird from Sesame Street was originally supposed to fly on the Challenger space shuttle. What? Or how about this one? The guy who invented Pringles was buried inside a Pringles can. That's kind of believable, actually. Ah, you know? Did you know (laughs) the CIA invented a dart gun to secretly give people a heart attack? That would be really screwed up. I hope that's not true. All of these are episodes of The Internet Says It's True, a podcast by Michael Kent. Every week is a bizarre story from history that sounds fake, but is absolutely true. (gasps) What? It's like taking a history class, but where all the topics are weird and fun. Oh, I love it. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and learn a new weird story every Monday morning. 
Just search for The Internet Says It's True or use the link in the show notes. I love it. Yeah. It sounds like a podcast we should have done. It does. And they actually did an episode on John Quincy Adams and the Mole People. Oh, really? And they mentioned me. Oh, thank you, guys. That's wonderful. Who are the hosts? The host is Michael Kent. Michael Kent. Yes. Comedian, podcaster. Thanks, Michael Kent. Investigator. (laughs) You keep going with your bad self. Yes. Investigator. And now we're on to act two, Legacy. Ooh. Some of Adams's venom toward Franklin, the naughtiest bit of it, maybe. It comes from letters between him and a good friend of their family, this woman, Mercy Otis Warren. She wrote a history of the American Revolution in 1805. And John Adams read it. And he had some notes. I'm sure he did. Yeah, because the book was very flattering to Franklin and not as flattering to Adams. Mm. Yeah. Warren had written in one part that Adams was ridiculed when he was in France. And Adams chose to respond to that claim and a ton of others. Um, he, he barraged her with like 10 letters full of his thoughts, mostly defending himself. Uh, it put a stop to their friendship for a long time because he was basically abusive in these letters. Wow. He was very upset. And these letters, these letters are great because Mercy Otis Warren just kind of calls him on his shit. <laughs> Like, he's saying stuff like, who told you I wasn't well-suited for the courts of France? Where are you getting this stuff? And she's like, dude, I didn't have secret informants to tell me you weren't suited for the royal courts of France. I've known you for 30 years, John. This is my own knowledge. Like, my own evidence. Exactly. Yeah. When he gets to this part in her history book about him being ridiculed, which he vigorously denies, he takes that as an opportunity to tell this woman, his good friend, this respectable 70-year-old woman about how Franklin was the one who was really ridiculed. And he he shares a story that was apparently not appropriate to share with a woman in those days. Oh, dear. He talks about being at this great house in France, um, in Paris, for a dinner. And there's lots of church leaders and dukes and duchesses. And Ben Franklin is there, too. And he said that the guests were passing something around the table. Uh, this this paper, and they were looking at it, and they were tittering. And he said that they were really careful to hide it from him. From Franklin or from, from Adams? From both. Okay. And he says that eventually they showed it to him, to Adams. Um, and he said it was a very skilled drawing of America, represented as a virgin, naked, and as beautiful as the Venus. Uh. And the grand Franklin with his bald head and his few long, scattering straight hairs in the act of debauchering her from behind her back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What an image. Right? Um, Mercy Otis Warren was extremely offended (laughs) that Adams felt the need to share that in a letter. Yeah. So. So she was a little bit more proper than that. She was more proper than that. And it's like um, her responses are like, listen, I didn't say nobody else was ever ridiculed in France. Like, why? (laughs) Why are you? He was being very defensive. Yeah, she's like, let me live. Yeah, and Ugh. honestly, it sounds like he just was very defensive he was, about anything that could scar his reputation. Yeah, he felt that Franklin was getting all this credit and that he was being portrayed in a way that, that wasn't accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Adams was convinced that Franklin stole other people's glory. Mm, like yeah. his own. His own, but... um. Also, people that he was close with. Adams said that Franklin thought himself the founder of the American Republic, and he called Franklin a successful swindler of other men's laurels 
and so was Washington. Wow. So at this point, Adams is like, and screw that Washington guy, too. Oh my They're God. stealing other people's glory. Wow. Um, That's hardcore, because everyone loved Washington at that point. They did. I mean, this is after Washington was dead. But still, not that long after, right? Um, no. Adams was still alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I just, poor John. Like, it must have been cold there in everybody's shadow. Oh. Yeah. He was so brilliant. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was... I don't know if paranoid is the right word, but he was just, he was jealous. And he thought that Franklin and Washington both acted like they were the sun. But he said they were really both moons, just reflecting the light of hidden suns. Uh, Suns like Adams's friend, Benjamin Rush. Mm. Yeah. Adams said it wasn't fair that Rush was always persecuted and Franklin always adored. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's life, dude. Yeah. (laughs) People will get credit where it's due and people will get credit where it's not due. And that's just how it is. I, I guess so. Shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like it's, I don't know, but he took it all very personally. He he did sometimes. Yeah. Especially when he was upset about it. Especially when he felt that his integrity was being questioned. Was being questioned. That was not okay. Well, yeah, that's not cool. No. Yeah. Because in a way that it is a very big group project. Yeah. And Brad Franklin is getting up in the, on the front of the class and saying, oh, look at all this I did. And then Adams is like, you didn't. I was doing that. And you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I picture. Like I an picture elementary school problem. Yeah. I picture Ben Franklin walking out of the principal's office, like smoking a cigarette and just looking at Adams and saying, like, we got an A. <laughs> like, I think that's what was happening. And Adams didn't like that because he'd done all this work, he thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, it is very petulant. Yeah. The phoniness is the key, really, to what pissed off John Adams about Ben Franklin and people mm, like him. Mm-hmm. And there's one component of that phoniness that drove Adams nuts. Uh-huh. And it's another reason he distrusted Franklin so much. I get that. And I think that this particular aspect really captures the essence of John Adams. Okay, so I found some letters from 1806 that Adams exchanged with his BFF, mm-hmm. Benjamin Rush. Okay. <laughs> and Adams talked about how he didn't like it when people were silent. Interesting. He's uncomfortable with long pauses? Not exactly. The way he saw it, he said that silence is most commonly design and intrigue. Hmm. He said that he could keep his mouth shut and keep secrets when it was necessary, but he was never silent for the purpose of giving myself an air of grandeur, depth, or importance. Oh, so being silent because you're too good for this crowd yeah or you're trying yeah or you're trying to look mysterious or um does anyone actually pull that off i think so like people actually remain silent in order to look mysterious yeah maybe a little bit i could see that i should try that (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't uh, think i can though i don't think you can (laughs) i don't think i have that capacity um and neither did he that's i think that's the whole gist of this is that these two personalities were so diametrically posed. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be silent for to look mysterious, isn't that kind of phony? That goes under the phoniness category. If you're John Adams, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, he did not like putting on airs. He said, secrecy, mystery, and intrigue have a mighty effect on the world. You and I have seen it in Franklin, Washington, Burr, Hamilton, and Jefferson, and many others. 
So what an all-star list right there Yeah, that he's given a Benjamin Rush of people that John Adams thought were phony <laughs> and shady and self-important. Well, he might have been right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he might have been right. Uh, he was he was really passionate about this. He also wrote, Washington, Franklin, Jefferson, eternal silence, impenetrable secrecy, deep cunning. These are the talents and virtues which are triumphant in these days. Wow. Yeah. He's angry. He's like, get off my lawn and stop being so quiet. Silent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it sounds like he's not only talking about actual silence of the mouth but it's it sounds like he's talking about secrecy in general and deceit yeah yeah and, and he i saw... totally am on board with that oh yeah no I, I i get it too but it's just it's funny to me that he associates that so closely with silence and with i mean such big figures in our history yeah i mean he does clarify that washington isn't exactly in the same camp as the others he says when i group washington with franklin and jefferson I mean, only in the article of silence. He had integrity and public virtue, as I seriously believe. So <laughs> apparently Franklin okay. and Jefferson did not have virtue, <laughs> but Washington did. But at least Washington had some virtue along with his secrecy. <laughs> exactly. And this was written in 1806, which was that like decade-long break between Adams and Jefferson where okay. they weren't talking at all. Oh. And Benjamin Rush was actually the one that got them back together. But during that break, it sounds like Adams felt pretty free to talk about Jefferson in this way. However he wanted. Yeah. But it, it, it bugged him that Franklin was silent because he knew that Franklin was naturally a great talker, he said. And he knew this from experience because they talked for hours. What? What was um, he silent about? He said that there were times when Franklin sat as silent as midnight, when people were having a conversation that had to do with things that he knew Franklin could contribute to that interested Franklin, that Franklin would bring value to the conversation. Well, sometimes we don't have the energy he, to, to, to contribute to I don't think he bought that. I think he thought that Franklin was being silent for some strategic reason or maybe playing dumb or just He's, some phony facade. I don't know. That may be true, but he also sounds a little paranoid. Like sometimes people don't want to talk. <laughs> it's true. It's you true. Know? There yeah. are times where people ask me about all sorts of questions and I'm like, I, you know, I've been dealing with this all week. I really don't want to, I'm not going to give these long winded answers. I just want to know if you love me. <laughs> I can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, next week. Next week. Um, Adams liked people to be like him. Hardworking. Moral. Talkative. Yes. He wanted words flying. And I think that he saw silence intentional silence where people had opinions and ideas but they chose not to share them i think he saw that as depriving your company of your talents how selfish yeah if someone had to wonder what you're thinking about something you failed mm. i think that's how adams felt interesting i mean yes i i agree but it's you gotta give people a little bit of leniency that when you know how you catch them that day isn't necessarily how they are all the time i get it but i, I do believe that adams is talking about like longer observations than like a single day okay. or a night like parts so. of people's personality like okay. burr mm -hmm. and the fact that um it's like you don't know what what he's thinking because he won't say yeah there's a strategy behind that and that's the kind yeah. of thing that pisses adams off yeah no i get that it's like i shouldn't have to guess what you're thinking <laughs> and it makes it really hard to connect with people yeah when they're not candid about what they think yeah it's just it is yeah it's very strange um 
Because what's the point of having views if you're not going to stand up for them? Agreed. And this puts him at odds with people like Washington and Franklin, because Washington was all about that regal, militant air of like gravitas and speaking only when it was proper and doing his best to restrain his ever simmering rage. (sighs) Um, Maybe some of that strong, silent type with Washington comes from the fact that his dentures were painful and it Mm. hurt to talk. But that's just part of it. Okay. And then with Franklin, his first ever pseudonym, I believe, uh, was a woman named Silence Do Good. What? was the name that he he chose. <laughs> he valued silence. He wrote in Poor Richard's Almanac, silence is not always a sign of wisdom, but babbling is ever a mark of folly. So he has a different view on silence. Yeah, Franklin and Washington both definitely see it as putting your best foot forward is to shut your mouth. Well, it sounds like he sees it more as it's easy to slip up and say the wrong thing the more you say. Yeah. That sounds more of what he's saying that, you know, stepping carefully with what you say is important because you could mess up and say the wrong thing and be it's held against you. Yeah. And I think Adams is like, what are you so afraid of? You know, right, just right. say it. Just say what you're thinking. Right. But he's saying I need to be careful with my words. Yeah. Silence for them was it was strategic. It was thoughtful. And Adams saw that as phony, manipulative bullshit. Adams knew that Franklin wasn't this kind of like stoic, quiet guy. Because when he let loose, when they talked in private, you know, Franklin could could talk ad nauseum and, and laugh and be jovial and all this stuff. So when he saw him in a different setting and he was acting differently, that to Adams was just like alarm like, bells going off. Like, yeah. what is happening? He's what like is this, this phony person? Yeah. I don't know. But we're just different in different settings on different days. And, you know, and maybe yeah. we don't want to say something that you know, is one way or the other because we don't know what crowd we're in or whatever it is. Right, and part of that's like Franklin playing the political game and diplomacy and, and right. knowing how to act and, and Adam's just and thinking that his you got to be the same person in every place because right. that's who you are. And I love Adams and I usually side with him, but I, I feel like he's being a little too harsh. And but I agree, it's probably Franklin being phony because he seemed like... He just seemed like he... Um, he was putting on a show in France to to play the part that people exactly. wanted him to play, to get what he wanted for his country. So right. Adams was doing all the stuff for his country, too. So they had similar goals, just the ways of going Their about them. personalities were very yes. different. Yes. Adams summed up his thoughts on Franklin by saying, his whole life has been one continued insult to good manners and to decency. Ow. Right? An insult to decency. Yes. It's a bit harsh. But how did Franklin get this reputation for being so debauched? That's the subject of our next deep dive in two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks? Because next week, we're doing a little something special for Thanksgiving. What are we doing besides dinner? We are sharing something special. Oh, really? Some some pie? (laughs) No pie, but a super group of history podcasts having a little Friendsgiving spectacular. Oh. Oh, awesome. Yes. Um, it was that put together. Special. Yes. It was put together by Kenny Ryan from Abridged Presidential Histories. And I'm going to be meeting up with him, Alicia from Civics and Coffee, and Jerry Landry from Presidencies of the United States. Great podcast. You should absolutely check out. Great group. And we are all sharing the episode next week. That's really exciting. And I cannot wait just to sit back on my ass <laughs> because i make you stand up for these that's really not fair you're, you're i'm definitely not sitting back on my ass though if you like what you heard spread the word <laughs>
If you didn't like what you heard, go eat a turd. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, sorry, um, I'm just practicing my rhymes. That's No, it's a good thing to do. <laughs> Consider joining our Patreon, like Joshua. Shout out to Joshua. Joshua's new? Yes. Welcome, Joshua. Yeah. We love you. We yes. respect you. We appreciate you. Find out more at plodpod.com. Reach out to us on Facebook. We love hearing from you. Yes, we do. Thank you for plotting along with us. Thank you. We'll see you for Thanksgiving. Like that.